Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast today. My guest is Elena Christopoulos. She is a scientist, political advisor, and commissioner of the city of Santa Monica. How are you doing today, Elena? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks, Brad. Pleasure to be here. Yes, I am so grateful to have you here. We finally, I know you and I have been talking about this for almost a year now, trying to get our schedule sorted out so I could have you on the podcast. So I'm very grateful and honored to have you here as a guest and to be able to hop on this and, and learn more about your journey and share it with the Empowerography community. So thank you for taking and making the time. I appreciate you. Oh, and I appreciate you. Thank you. So as mentioned, you are a climate scientist. You are also a certified sustainability practitioner. You're a political advisor. You are the founder of the management consulting firm ECMC. And you're also a commissioner with the city of Santa Monica. That is one hell of a resume and some very prestigious titles, I might add. How important is prioritization and organization to you and your daily routine? And how do you stay on top of all of this? Good question. Well, I, have <laughs> I mean, it's different things for different days. And that's yeah. what I really love about what I do. I get bored quite easily, to be honest, and have for years. So depending on the project or depending on you know, what's the allocation, if it's an activist work or things like that. I mean, I, and I ask for help and I have a great team. I could not do this alone. So you lean on your team a fair bit then? Oh yeah. I mean, I, oh, absolutely. This yeah. is it's not a one woman show. No, I think my team, my friends, my partner, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah, absolutely. Always ask for advice. Yes. Elena, what inspired you to become a scientist and a climate scientist? Yeah, so that's a good question. I grew up in Greece and I mm. had an aunt called Rita okay. and she passed of breast cancer when I was around eight or nine and she did all the things, right? Like she ate organic food. It wasn't called organic back then. She didn't drink. She, I mean, she ate healthy, exercised, did all the, didn't smoke, uh, didn't drink yeah. and um, she passed and I asked my parents to visit some doctors in, in Athens, Greece, and to ask like what happened. And I noticed a couple of things. They were all men. Yeah. And I noticed that they also couldn't give me a straight answer. And I was very frustrated and a very determined young girl. So after that, it, I mean, I made a mental note that I was like, where are the women? And a few of the doctors said, you should get into this profession. I said, well, I think I just might. <laughs> so your aunt was your inspiration. I love it. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. And just, yeah, she was definitely, and she's always with me. So to speak. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How long have you been a scientist now? 
I could say since I was eight years old, but, um, <laughs> officially we'll say, <laughs> yeah. So, so since 96, when I graduated from my undergrad at Queens university, now what lights you up, excites and inspires you the most about being a scientist? Oh, I think what excites me the most is, well, facts are facts and science is science. And contrary to belief over the last couple of years. But what excites me is the ability to change minds and mm-hmm. to change someone from maybe a NIMBY, which is like a not in my backyard to a YIMBY, which is yes, in my backyard. So yeah. being able to, you know, collaborate with distinct and different people who may have different points of view and to be able to kind of get to the end goal and creative ways of how to get there. That excites me. I'm really curious in your field of work as a scientist, I would think that that's a very male dominated industry, I guess, first of all, is that, would you, is that a fair statement or fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A fair statement. Yes. Yeah, so 100%. as a woman who is a scientist, what are your thoughts on that? And do you know what the statistics are roughly in terms of women versus men in the field of science? Yes. So that's actually one of my legacies is that, so currently there's about 28% women in STEM or STEAM. Okay. Uh, that, and that's science, technology, energy, or uh, engineering and math, or science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Okay. And it's my goal to get up to at least 50% of my lifetime. And the sad thing is it's confidence, not competence of why women don't go into science. Yeah. That's that 28% only. That is yep. crazy. And it's going down, wow. especially through the pandemic. It's going down, unfortunately. Yes. Now, having worked in the field and working in the field of science and politics, both of mm-hmm. which are pretty male-dominated industries, in male-dominated industries, have you had to personally face or overcome, or how much have you had to personally face or overcome in terms of adversity? And if so, can you speak to some of the adversity you've had to overcome when you're first starting out in these fields and how you dealt with it? I laugh of like 20 years in this, I could say almost every single campaign, almost every, there's, you know, there's subtle, there's the subtle things that are passive aggressive, but then, you know, it's also being the only woman in the room and, you know, I'd have naturally blonde hair. I don't have naturally platinum blonde which i currently have as right. you, know. you know at the beginning i dyed my hair dark to okay. high to, to kind of hot to and i wore a lot of makeup and i wore suits that were not a thing to do with me like we're not my style we're not me to kind of blend in right is what i thought a corporate type would look in a political setting at the same time i um you know, and I'd, I'd observe. So, you know, when people were speaking or it was a room of all white guys and I was the only woman, a white woman, unfortunately, you know, I would wait, observe, and then give my two cents. And then I would always say, folks, if we want different responses or different, if we want to reflect what the actual population looks like, we need to change this up. And so I, as I kind of grew through the ranks and just from, you know, for more years under my belt and more experience promised to myself was to ensure that the campaigns I worked on or the teams that I could develop were as diverse as a population. So that meant bringing more women to the table. That meant bringing more BIPOC to the table. That meant bringing more LBGTQ plus to the table as well. Yeah. 
So how has that, I mean, I know that this is a mission of yours with getting more women into politics. So what are some of the things that you're doing in order to reach and achieve your goal? As you said, you want to get it to at least 50%. So what is your mission? Like, how are you going about this? That is something that's actually even now more near and dear to my heart. So mentoring women, you know, mentoring is a huge thing. I mean, I had mentors and they helped me a lot. And I'm not sure I'd be where I am today without them. Right. You know, they were three male mentors. I looked for women who can find them. Right. So, you know, mentorship quite a bit. And also, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I don't have a political science degree. And I would say on almost every campaign, I've worked on 40 to date, over 40 political and environmental campaigns. Not one man has asked what my degrees have been, like where, what I studied and yeah. almost all senior women have. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's really, really interesting that, you know, women, I think, feel they need to perform a hundred percent or have all the right things, all the degrees. And no, it just has to be a right fit. Yeah. And, and, you know, I also, I mean, the old boys club of calling up friends, you've got a company and say, Hey, do you have, you hiring someone? Yeah. And I've got a person for you. And I do that quite a bit. And I mean, because, and telling women the worst thing, like rejection's a good thing. You know, it's yeah. not for you. Yeah. And like, who gives a shit? And, yeah. you know, and it's, so that's also a lot of inward looking and, you know, learning about yourself and having the self confidence to say, okay, that's not a fit for me. Maybe again down the road, but keep on keeping on, so to speak. So what inspired your journey into the world of politics and how long? Have you been working in and involved in politics? Almost as long as I've been a scientist. I mean, I guess uh, I remember my family, especially my Greek side, have been politically active from the left, extreme left to the extreme right, right and everything in between. And we'd have dinners when I was a kid that um, regardless of our political leaning, that we weren't allowed to like leave the table. We could, you know, debate a point, but we actually yeah. had to be based in facts. And we couldn't take it personally. So I learned that at a young age, although that's hard sometimes. Yeah. But, <laughs> I can only but, imagine. Yeah, yeah. And so I was kind of the accidental politician. I mean, I had a dream and creative idea to put up a wind turbine in downtown Toronto. Yeah first in North America. It took 260 homes off the energy grid. And, you know, within a week, I got the president of Ontario Hydro, I got the mayor, I got the premier of the province in a room. And I was like, wow, this is easy. Well, no, I mean, I know <laughs> <laughs> that was luck, right? That was a yeah. lightning. But then a man approached me and said, you know, Lena, would you like to run my campaign? And I said well you know i don't have a political science background he said elena would you want to run my campaign i I don't have the i don't have the background he said i'm asking you right like you ran a successful uh, renewable energy campaign and please take a look at my platform and tell me what you think and if this is for you great if it's a fit or if you can recommend someone i'd really like to to have you on my team so keeping with that about I mean, you were awarded Toronto's Woman of the Year for your work designing and implementing wind turbines. And as you said, you you implemented the first wind turbine in Toronto in North America. So how, I mean, that's got to be such an incredible honor. How did that feel for you? And knowing that what you're doing is is having such an incredible impact, how does that feel? It seems like it's so long ago now, you know, yeah. it's like reminded, but it's also, it allowed me to create 
you know, my own company and to help get more women into science and, mm-hmm. and, and onto political campaigns. And it's something that it, it means, you know, it was tough. It was really hard. And I have a lot of stories from that experience, but it was, you know, it it was a lesson learned and ideas and uh, imagination, creativity do work. And and it it did happen. Yeah. That was just really a stepping stone for you then, because as you said, this gentleman approached you, wanted you to run his campaign and then things went from there. And that is absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm pretty tenacious. And that was <laughs> quite, quite a vicious campaign. And the names I, were, I was called, there were some, some choice ones. But, you know, it's then I was also, you know, for the cause, but quite a determined person. Yes. What would you say has been the most rewarding part of your career in politics, would you say? Uh, seeing people who I've employed or see people who I've got on campaigns actually run for office. And that makes me glow and that makes my heart sore to see yeah. candidates you know, that um, really should be running. And I don't like the word should, but candidates who should be running, who are running. It just, that makes me smile that they have the confidence and you have to have ego to run. There's nothing yeah. wrong with to see them running. That makes me feel wonderful. Now, as mentioned, you are commissioner with the city of Santa Monica. So what are some of your duties and responsibilities as a commissioner in the city of Santa Monica, as there are probably people who don't know what a commissioner does in a city. So please explain what some of your duties and responsibilities are. Well, it's changed since the pandemic. So all cities are really looking at their budget and what they can or cannot for it. So commissions have been consolidated. But so being a commissioner on the status of women was really to look at the city of Santa Monica and see how to improve, I guess, overall, how to improve the lives of women and girls in the city of Santa Monica. And so that is looking at, you know, women who are sexual assault survivors, domestic survivors, how to help them out to get more women into onto boards in companies that were based in Santa Monica or had offices based in Santa Monica to look at women in STEM and STEAM and to see if we can get more women there and also to promote women and to validate women as well. And, you know, to have honor women um, in the city who are doing fabulous, wonderful things. Now you, you briefly mentioned the consulting firm. We, we mentioned that off the top The you are the founder of the management consulting firm ECMC and you have helped create 500,000 plus green jobs, that has got to feel absolutely incredible to know that you've had a hand and created such an impact like that with creating these jobs for that many people. And to add to that, that 60% of those jobs went to women. Was that the intent for you from the beginning with creating that firm and creating these jobs is that you want more of it to go to, you want to spread more of the wealth to the women of the community? Oh, absolutely. That was my intent. And that's something that came from my mentors to you. I always said, how can I pay you, you men back? Yeah. And they, you know, once you get to the boardroom level, make sure you keep the door open and don't pull up the ladder, make sure the ladder is all the way down to the ground. So yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, I, it was absolutely on purpose and I've turned down jobs where I can't I mean, that's a privilege too to turn down jobs yeah. in which I can't have diversity. If it's like a team of all white guys, I mean, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just, it's also, you know, and if they don't, 
hear me out, which is, you know, you're going to get the same results, right? Yeah. So if you have the same or similar backgrounds, you're not going to get diverse results, which means it's not representative of the, of the community in which you serve or represent. Right. So, yes. So that's absolutely. And I'm just getting started. And that, yeah, that <laughs> number just getting started to kick some more ass. Absolutely. That's an incredible number, though, over 500,000. Like, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny because it was like, someone's like, why haven't you said this before? I was actually stopped at a border crossing yeah. and a woman asked me and she had a wind, she has a wind turbine on her property. And I was saying, you know, you can make a lot of money off of that and, you know, telling her how to do that. And she said, yeah. so she said, ballpark figure, how many jobs do you think you've created? And I said, oh, well, that's a good question. She goes, you don't know? And I said, well, give me a second, give me a second. And I mean, this is a border cross. So yeah. you're also, I'm also like sweating, you know, yeah. so I'm like, I just want to get through. But, you know, but I'm like, okay, I'm helping her with her wind turbine. And I looked and I was like, that's, yeah, that's where I came. And it's, it's a little over that. And she was just like, you need to celebrate that. And You should, and, Absolutely. Yeah. And I said, yeah, you're fucking right. I should celebrate yeah. that. So my hat goes off to Miss Karen, who's a border patrol officer who uh, told me to do that. Yes. You should I be incredibly you. proud of that. That is a huge accomplishment. How many people can actually say that they have helped create 500,000? Like, that's insane. You should celebrate <laughs> that and be very, very proud of that. Uh, sometimes, you know, as scientists, we still just kind of continue to do the work. But yeah. it's a very, good, very good point, Brad, that we all need to step back and, you know, glow in our accomplishments, but then keep going forward. You know, we do, like, we you do know, we, we don't, we don't take the time to slow down and look at what look back on what you've done and celebrate those, no matter how big or small, celebrate those accomplishments. I mean, you did that. You created that. Be proud of that and, and share it. Yell it from the rooftops. Holy shit. 500,000 jobs. More than that. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about ECMC and what the firm's all about? Sure. So it was, you know, really born out of seeing just the lack of diversity in politics, the lack of diversity in construction management firms, the lack of diversity in consulting firms, and seeing the gap of a lot of women, very competent women, graduating from university and not being able to land a job. Yeah. And there's a lot of things and I'm, you know, I'm, I don't suffer fools well. And I, you know, as I'm Leo and everything that is a Leo. So <laughs> I'm very strong minded and, yeah. you know, I'm determined. And so I'm also very solutions oriented. So it's, I'm not someone that's going to sit back and worry on a chair and go back and forth and do nothing and waste time. So it's, well, what can I do? I can create my own firm and let's go from there. So that's, let's see what happens. And so that was completely my intent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak a little bit about women in entrepreneurship, women run businesses. I come, and you've mentioned this, I come from a corporate background and you've mentioned the old boys club. And so I saw that behavior and that mindset and that way of thinking in the corporate world. And I think that it's fucking 
disgusting and horrible that we are still in 2022 dealing with that ridiculous mindset and mentality and way of thinking. The fact that women still aren't getting their due in terms of seats at the boardroom table or C-suite level positions, it's not happening frequently enough. As you mentioned, there's only 28% women in, you know, like it's mind blowing that we're still dealing with this. Although I think we're starting to see a a small shift, I think. Mm where things are starting to change, the tides are turning. It's not, obviously it's not happening quick enough, but what are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women run businesses and women getting into, even in the corporate world, getting into these positions where they deservedly should be and having seats at the boardroom table. Are you seeing a shift personally because you work in very male dominated industries? Are you seeing a shift? And if you are, why do you think that things are shifting? And women are jumping into entrepreneurship more so nowadays than they were before? Well, it's a very good question. I think that there is more collaboration as well. I mean, recently Katie Kirk came out with a book and how she, she got in a little bit of hot water for a few things, but one of them was that she didn't help women in the workplace. She actually didn't help women at all in the workplace. Okay. And sadly, that's, I believe she's a baby boomer generation. So that generation, and I can't say she's, she's the voice of that generation at all, but I think things are changing in terms of different generations. I mean, I'm Gen X and I think it's, and also younger folks. I mean, millennials, Gen Zs just aren't putting up with it anymore. Right. Yeah. So they're also, they know more of who they are and they're proud of who they are. And it's, you know, a lot of things have changed. I mean, you know, it's civil rights for the sixties, you know, it's, I mean, we're still fighting bathroom laws about, you know, transgender folks. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of change is happening. And I think that the younger generation are pushing harder at the same time, you know, the salaries are the same over the last few years. And, you know, it's, so it's, it's difficult, you know, I I don't admire that. So, you know, even if you're working, I mean, unless you're doing, you're in tech, right. Or an investment banker or an actor or actress, right. But, you know, salaries have kind of stayed the same. So, so consulting allows you to kind of increase that, but I think it's finding people who will be able to champion you, you know, I've got a lot of LinkedIn requests and that I have not been negligent lately to look at. I just haven't had time, but, you know, I will, help folks as much as I can and promote yeah. them and connect folks like, and, you know, the old school way of contacting the CEO and saying, Hey, do you have 15 minutes to chat with my friend? Yeah. And he, you know, he's a decision maker in that maybe not the, but he's a decision yeah. maker. And it's, I think it's that. And I think that's, I've always looked at life that way. I've always been mm-hmm. free personally. It's just that it's really we, not me. Yeah, for sure. What do you think is one of the most significant barriers to female leadership? Confidence. Confidence? Yeah, I don't think enough women have gotten to the point that they either have zero fucks to give or that they don't have confidence within themselves. And, you know, it's confidence. I mean, there's a lot of rejection, a lot of out there. And I think it's the ability to not, I mean, it's almost like Wonder Woman with her shield to like not let it absorb, but it's like, do I really care what a stranger thinks of me? No, you know, if if I'm not their cup of tea, then it's okay. I drink coffee, you know, you just (laughs) cut your mind. That's great. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So, and you'll find your people, you'll find where you really belong. I mean, it just takes a lot of hard work. 
Yeah. And so that's, you know, and it's, I think that's, that's a barrier and, you know, and um, mentors, I, again, I can't emphasize this enough. A lot of women don't go into mentorship where for men, they may not even call it mentorship. They're like, oh yeah, I just call Tom, Bill and Bob. And, you know, yeah. we talk about stuff where they go golfing and, you know, they figure it out there. So. Yeah. What advice do you have for women looking to grow either their own business or maybe even within a company that they work for? Network, network, network as much as you can. And like, not just within your firm or others, but really meet with other women, meet with other entrepreneurs. There's a lot of entrepreneurial groups out there for women. So you can share your war stories, so to speak. And you can also share in your successes. Now, being obviously a women's empowerment advocate, what Mm. do you do to empower yourself and other women besides give them jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so two different questions. So how do yeah. I empower myself? So mm-hmm. champion myself, you know, I'm also quite a housing activist for one thing. And okay. I, I use my title as a commissioner in the city of Santa Monica to help fight horrible housing laws, which not there in Canada as well, but yeah. we have housing crisis and you know, the thought of folks having to pay market rate of $5,000 for a studio apartment in Santa Monica's US is ridiculous, right? So, you know, I'm an activist in that sense. So how do I empower myself? I take care of myself a lot. And that's what I had the privilege of over the last, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but over since the last two years, I mean, I'm one of those Peloton folks. I don't care what folks say, or I don't care about the CEO leaving. I mean, I love my Peloton. It's just, you know, it's just so much more than a bike. It's, you know, learning boxing and other things. So physical activity is important to me, Mm -hmm. but also mental as important as mental health. Yeah. And they've got some kick-ass instructors there. So I'm just, yeah, I think, but taking care of myself and putting myself first. So whether that's blocking out time to meditate, blocking out time to read a book, blocking out time just to take a walk on the beach. Cause as I said, it's 80 degrees here in February, you know? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And those, those are the types of things. How do I empower others besides giving jobs is, uh, Championing them. So whether that's in meetings, championing them in ways, giving them references, connecting them with, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, I think you should meet so-and-so and yeah. connect folks like that. Speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? Hmm. I think, big question, empowerment. Yeah. I think it means being able to take care of yourself and protect yourself and be your best self and do the best for others as well. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I give zero fucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good superpower. Um, <laughs> as a mouthy blonde in the industry for 20 years, that I am a good connector. I yeah. know that. And so if someone is looking for someone in a certain industry, I'm like, I'll look through my Rolodex and yeah. say, oh, I think you need so-and-so. Like I, I, and I really enjoy connecting people because I think that's, you know, that's, could be an LA thing of like, oh, I know so-and-so, but no, I've always done that. And I really love connecting people. And it has nothing to do with me at all. It's just connecting two people who may be able to create something amazing together. So That, that is a great feeling being able to connect two people or a group of people, whatever the case may be, where something wonderful can come to fruition as a result of those connections is not for any other reason other than to help people. It's, it's an amazing feeling to be able to do that and give back in that way. 
for sure. Right. I try. I try my best on that. So yes. <laughs> Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? So that's interesting because I know different people will will answer respond that differently. And I I think that a lot of folks define success as financial success, and that's yeah. not how I define. So there's emotional success. There's how people are doing inward as opposed to outward. So, you know, it goes hand in hand with financially successful. Yeah. You know? so it's like, have people done the work? Are they good people? You know, I mean, there's many people out there who have creative ideas and are financially successful, but are complete assholes. Yeah. You know, and then yep. you look at someone like Dolly Parton, who's a superstar and just can do no wrong in my eyes. That know? woman like, is incredible. She yeah. is, inc- I watched a documentary on her a little while back and just mind-blowingly, genuinely beautiful human being. Oh, I mean, one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And she's even, she's that and so much more in person. I can and only imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no bullshit. She treats everyone like that. She is, she is that person. And, and that, team, that woman is a fucking talent like no other. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? So throughout all this, I mean, I, which I sometimes talk about, sometimes don't talk about, I have had a life, I've had a lot of trauma in my life. And I think the ability to quickly early on was to realize like that's, and it just came naturally, or there's a light in me that has always been there to realize like that none of that was my fault ever. And so I've always kind of felt that. So going through other traumas, unfortunately, but always knowing that that none of it was ever my fault. So never taking that in on me. So that really allowed me to heal quite quickly and also to realize it has nothing to do with me. And at the same time, yeah, that just, you know, people are, sometimes people do horrible things, but that doesn't mean all people are horrible. That's That's a very important lesson for sure. Yeah, like to never harden or to never, you know, just to be kind and that's, to keep that because if I give that superpower of being kind which I truly am to somebody else then it's my loss truly yeah for sure so so that was an important lesson that I learned for sure who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why oh wow that's a good question biggest impact (laughs) I think I would say well throughout my life I would say my dad yeah 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 my dad that's a good question yeah just that you know I think we're just so very similar you know Mm -hmm. from as a kid, him not wanting me to play soccer because girls didn't play soccer and then realizing that at nine or sorry, at seven, that he didn't have enough players and I had my <laughs> soccer turn or soccer <laughs> jersey on and ended up scoring three goals on my first soccer game. And he said, I guess you're playing soccer. And so <laughs> uh, to, you know, supporting me uh, through a lot of, uh, you know, I am a sexual assault survivor and mm-hmm. um, never blaming me ever and supporting me fully through all of that to celebrating my wins, you know, through whether that be a wind turbine coming up the first ever to getting my degrees at Queens, which took a while as as a survivor to always, I think, even though we've, you know, gone head to head, of course, to really, there's something I believe recently, I believe he taught me to be curious Someone told me once that, Elena, you're curious, and that's the opposite of judgmental. And Hmm. I think that's my dad has always been curious. Yeah. And I believe I get that from him. Amazing. Support systems. I mean, our parents, that's, that's, 
that's their job. That's their, but to have that support through everything is just amazing and incredible and integral to creating the human beings that we are and helping others get through stuff. That's, that's what support systems are for. And it's through the good and the bad. Yes. But it's also, you know, not everyone has that. No, very true. Very true. So so families come in different. They look different. They may not be relatives. So I'm very lucky for that. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be really quick, two, three forward answer type thing. All right. Elena, what was your dream job as a child? Flight attendant. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. What was your very first job? Uh, consumers, uh, well, besides babysitting, consumers distributing in Canada. The now no consumers. way. I, that was my first job too. Well, besides a paper <laughs> route, but I, was, uh, I worked at consumers distributing as well. <laughs> it was, was one of the, the funnest jewelry. jobs I, got, I ever had. It was so much fun. I got promoted yeah. to the jewelry department. You know, that was like a big thing. Remember that jewelry store? Yes. Amazing. Where I have to ask what store, where? So the one in Markham, Ontario. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So lots of stories there. Yeah. Yeah. Involving a personal massager, which was a massager. <laughs> yes. <but> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember those. Yes, yes, yes. But it was a great store. And I, I can you imagine if consumers existed now, they would oh. kick ass. Oh, right? yeah, they would for sure. Yeah. Way but, ahead of their time. Oh, yes, absolutely. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Be kind always. What is one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Love. How would you describe yourself in one word? One word. All heart. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Especially now, wishing people would be more compassionate with each other. What would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? <laughs> Storyteller, funny, sarcastic, smart, mm-hmm. intelligent, takes no shit from no one. <laughs> and no fucks to give. <laughs> Zero fucks to give, yeah. <laughs> Interesting, never boring, loyal, and loving. What is one thing you've always wanted to do in life, but haven't yet? Hmm. Good question. I haven't gone to Peru to do some ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. There you go. Yes. I think that's (laughs) something I'd like to try. Yeah. Okay. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Elena, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Let's see. Good question. I've had the privilege to meet and work with her and I would do it again. So I'd have another hour with uh, Miss Anita Hill. She is, you know, going through what she did. I was way too young and in Canada at the time, but she is just an example of strength, brilliance, intelligence, and resilience. And she's all around badass person. (laughs) I love it. Just like you, a badass Badass, yes. Yes, badass babe. Yes, absolutely. What is an unexpected occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? Connections. So, you know, on flights, I always have interesting new friends. So people who are seatmates become friends. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Best version. Happy and at peace. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Keep on going, kiddo. 
And lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, to your, your tribe, your community, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What, what would you say? What words of wisdom would you impart? Say, hey, old white guys, get the fuck out of the way. There's new, interesting people that need to have a voice. Listening to younger generations, they know what they're talking about. Diversity is everything. The more diverse your team is, the more diverse and innovative your end goal and project will be. Be nicer to one another. Be compassionate. Be empathetic. You don't know what someone's going through. So, you know, if you have plenty, check on others who may or may not. Check on your strongest friends as well, because mental health is a true thing. Always keep dancing. No tears for me. Have a shot of tequila if you drink. And enjoy the fuck out of life. I love it. Very eloquently said. (laughs) (laughs) Elena, thank you so much. I am so glad that we finally got to sit down and do this. And I was able to connect with you and speak with you and have you share your journey or part of your journey and your story with me and the Empowerography community. And you are a true badass woman, kick-ass, inspirational the work you're doing is fucking phenomenal. You should be incredibly proud of what you have accomplished. And I'm sure there is so much more badassery to come from you. So thank you so much for taking the time and making the time to be here. I appreciate you. I, I so appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Like that's, I, it's been a pleasure and you know, that's, we came in terms of connecting, you know, I have to say my friend Muma is a wonderful connector and a wonderful human being connected us so my hat goes off to her yeah so Lume is amazing she is so i look forward to the women's conference in march so yes i can't wait once again my name is brad walsh host of your empowerography podcast today my guest has been elena christopoulos she is a scientist political advisor and commissioner for the city of santa monica thank you so much elena i hope you have an amazing rest of the day same to you brad thank you Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.